Greetings, Cap fans, and welcome to another episode of Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. I am your host, Rick Verbonis, and this is episode 17. And as always, I am joined by my co-host, Bob Lucius. Bob, what's going on? Rick, did you just say 17? I know. How is that even possible? Well, Bob... See, what happens is we do these every Wednesday, and uh, so new ones come out on a weekly basis, and we've had some that were a little bit more than just a week because we've had some uh, interviews and things like that, so they kind of add up pretty quick. Wow, yeah, I mean, this, this is that's unbelievable. I, they, they just sort of they slide into each other for me. I enjoy these so much that uh, I, I guess, hey, like they say, you know, time flies when you're having fun. And we have been having a lot of fun, that's for sure. And this episode is going to be jam-packed. We got lots going on, so we should get right into it. Uh, so one of the things that we're um, doing today, which is a little different, right, is we are going to uh, get into what's going on in our pool list, right? So uh, recent issues of the miniseries John Walker, U.S. Agent. And uh, we're going to cover that. Uh, the first three issues are out of this five-issue miniseries. So we'll cover the first three issues. And then uh, a little later on in the episode, we're going to be talking with the artist, George's Genty. Uh, he's coming on the show as a guest, and uh, we'll get his take on the, uh, the miniseries. Um, so also want to talk about, uh, we've got one more week of the contest Right. Uh, so for the contest, if uh, for those at home, uh, we really appreciate your help in growing the podcast. And so there are uh, prizes that we're going to give out for that. So uh, essentially, you can win a uh, great um, trade paperback of the complete adventures of the Sam Wilson Captain America series, volume one, uh, huge, thick uh, trade paperback that retails for thirty nine ninety nine, and also that same guest, uh, I'm sorry, that same winner will be a guest on the show. Uh, so uh, we're going to have uh, somebody on Bob who uh, is going to come on, and basically they're going to call the show, right? They're going to say this is uh, what I want to talk about. They're the topic of uh, Captain America. I, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm like on pins and needles. Uh, not only waiting to find out who the winner is going to be, but what they're going to want to talk about because uh, man, it could be anything right all the way back to 1941 up through up to today. I mean, they can pick anything they want to talk about. Right. So yeah, that's uh, that's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah. And so how do they win? Uh, it's uh, pretty simple. Uh, you could do one of two ways. Uh, you can go on to Apple podcasts and leave a five-star review with your commentary uh, and then just um, if your name's not obvious, you can just ping me and let me know you did it. Uh, or you can go on to our Facebook page, the Captain America comic book fans Facebook page, and uh, take one of our posts about the podcast and share it. Either share it on your timeline or even better, share it in uh, one of your other comic groups and uh, just do a screenshot and send it to me and you're entered into the contest. So we've already had several people enter, so we appreciate that. Uh, in fact, I'm going to go ahead and read a uh, current review that we received on Apple Podcasts, a five-star review. And this is from R.R. Werner, who uh, we know as Ralph on the Captain America comic book fans Facebook group. And so the title to uh, this review 
is Avengers and listeners assemble. And he writes, bursting through the ice after a long hiatus of Cap-centric podcasts comes the Captain America comic book fans podcast. Rick and Bob deliver weekly shows featuring adventures from Captain America's 80 years of history. The focus here is on the comics. If you are only familiar with Cap in the movies, you'll want to dive into the source material. And this one delivers with looks at all decades of the hero from two longtime readers who keep it fresh, enjoyable, and entertaining. Why, that was a mouthful. Thank you, Ralph. We appreciate that. Bob, which one of us is keeping it fresh and which one of us is keeping it entertaining? You know, I was I was wondering that myself. Uh, <laughs> I've been warned by my wife not to keep it fresh. Oh. So, uh, so I must be the entertaining one. I don't know. Oh. Well, uh, <laughs> it's, it's both. Uh, well, I think both of us uh, certainly find it enjoyable. Absolutely. So, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for that. So that's how you can enter the contest. You know, I, I, I think this is also a great time to give a big announcement. What do you think, Bob? I, I, I think, why not, right? I mean, what the hell? You oh. said, you just said a few minutes ago, you said that time flies when you're having fun and you look forward to doing all these. Bob, what, what, what if I told you we're going to start doing more? I would say let's, let's, let's jump on in. All right. Well, we're going to, you know, coming up on Disney+, Plus. We've got the uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier series uh, that I'm really looking forward to, right? I mean, the MCU movies have been great. Uh, Certainly going to miss Chris Evans as Captain America. He was fantastic. Um, But this new Disney Plus series comes out March 19th, which is just two days from now. So, uh, well, depending on when you're listening to the podcast, but um, yeah, so March 19th, it comes out. So, Uh, We're going to do uh, a reaction podcast to each episode. So there will be six episodes and we'll do uh, six reaction podcasts that will air just a couple days after uh, uh, each episode premieres. So that uh, I'm looking forward to that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, my initial reaction, I can I can almost guess right now, is going to be squealing like a schoolgirl with her first issue of Teen Beat. <laughs> that, but after that, after I get past that initial, I think it's going to be a lot of fun uh, uh, to talk about sort of some of the similarities, some of the differences with the source material. I think that's going to be a ball. Yes, because we are Captain America comic book fans, right? So that will be our our chore, right? We're gonna we're gonna have to just. Get, you know, watch the episodes, squeal like a, like you said, a little schoolgirl, and then kind of uh, do our little nitpick. Well, you know, they, uh, they, they, they changed the, the uniform a little different. On did you notice how he had it? You know, so we'll we'll, we'll go a little bit through that too. It's going to be a ball. It's going to be great fun. It's going to be <laughs> yeah. great fun, and uh, and I do hope uh, I do hope we'll get some uh, some feedback and reactions from our listeners as well, and we can we can share those and and, uh, and have that dialogue. Well, speaking of, uh, you know, you can call in, right? You can call in and leave us a message and, um, you know, maybe we'll play it here uh, on one of the episodes. Um, but speaking of which, we have uh, somebody who did call in and leave a message. So um, we'll go ahead and play that real quick. 
Hello, my name is Ash Hitt. You may have seen me around the Facebook page as Ash Barnes. I just wanted to leave you a quick message and let you know that I very much enjoyed every episode of your podcast and I absolutely love the cat page. I've learned a great deal about cap through both and I really appreciate what you guys have taken the time to put together for us. If you ever want to discuss Bucky on the show, I'd love to contribute as a self-proclaimed Bucky Barnes super fan. Thank you so much. Well, Ash, you, uh, you're going to get your wish. Uh, you're actually going to be on the first episode of the reaction show to the Falcon and Winter Soldier. So uh, Ash is going to join us. Bob, what do you think? Oh, I, it's, I, Ash is uh, she, uh, such a contributor to, uh, to the Facebook group, the Captain America comic book fans Facebook group. And uh, as, as she said, and it's, it's obvious, she is a huge fan of Bucky Barnes. So uh, I'm really looking forward to, uh, to hearing her reaction to, uh, to the show and what she thinks about those similarities and differences to the source material. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah. I mean, who better to ask, right? She's going to be great. So uh, looking forward to having her on. And uh, if you want to leave us a message, just go to our um, anchor page and uh, you can go on there and uh, leave a voice message. Um, you can find a link to that in uh, the show notes, uh, whatever podcast platform you listen on. All right. So let's get to it. Like I said, we're packed, right? So let's get to uh, issue one of the John Walker U.S. Agent miniseries. Uh, on the cover here, uh, it's a different looking U.S. agent. I haven't seen uh, him in this costume before. Um, so, and he's sitting on a couch. Uh, he's got a, a, a can in his hand uh, and uh, his shield, uh, which is you know, got the black, red, and white ring with the U.S. in the center is on the ground. And there's a whole bunch of guys uh, with uh, weapons kind of knocked out around him. And it looks like he's just kind of finished uh, a little brawl here and he's taking a break. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's sucking on an energy drink and uh, and he's got a, you know, it's, uh, he's got a different look about him. Um, I don't know what it is, man. He looks tired. He's got a little five o'clock shadow. He's also not as bulky as we usually are, are to see him. And, you know, let's think about that. I, you know, as Captain America fans, right. We, I think the last time I saw him was about a year, year plus ago in the Captain America series when uh, cap was going up against um, scourge, right. John Walker showed up in a couple of uh, issues and um, you know, at first he, he seemed, he, and he told, told cap he says scourge isn't a person it's a he's it's a it's an ideal right and um and then uh i think it was an uh, issue or two later um the scourge you know was killed um almost like appeared to commit suicide getting shot down in his yard as cap was chasing him and um we see uh, his sister um later being comforted by john walker in his u.s agent um uniform saying um uh well you know kind of like almost encouraging her to to, to pick up where where her brother left off that's the last time i i recall seeing john walker yeah me too me too i don't know what he's been up to in in the, in the meantime but uh who knows maybe uh maybe we'll get some insights here along the way Okay, so this series is written by uh, Christopher Priest, and for those um, who may not be familiar with his work, he, he's uh, he's a longtime 
Marvel writer. Um, and he actually did write the Captain America and Falcon series uh, that came out. Uh, I don't know when that came out. Gosh. That was uh, 2004, 2005. Okay. Yeah. I, I see that it was like a second Captain America series, like ongoing series. They, they tried to do at the same time. And um, so, uh, so he wrote that. So he's no, no. Uh, well, he's not a noob to Captain America. That's for sure. Or, yeah. Or yep. Uh, the artist is a George's Genty and uh, George's is going to be a guest on the show a little bit later. Uh, and we'll talk with him about this. Um, Int by Carl Story, who is a longtime uh, inker in the industry. Color by Matt Miller and uh, editor is Tom Revert. So um, the name of the story is called American Zealot. And this is chapter one called Legend. So I, uh, I'm going to kind of skip around a little bit in here because um, there's a lot going on. So uh, it kind of starts off with um, uh, in, in, is it Ephraim? What do you think? Is it called Ephraim, West Virginia? I think it's Ephraim. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's doing a little bit of this uh, story going back and forth in time. So right now it says Ephraim, West Virginia now. And these uh, particular locals are getting interviewed. And, um, uh, you know, if I had to describe them, Bob, I would say very uh, rural. Right. Um, Some people may even describe as a little bit of uh, rednecky um and uh salt of the earth salt of the earth rick yeah um i mean these certainly are some some stereotypes here right so they're talking to the camera and they're explaining um what's been going on so they're explaining that there used to be a coal mine there and um their jobs used uh, basically got taken out by uh automation and um and the coal mining uh just kind of uh, closed up and left and, and left the, the whole town uh, kind of bankrupt. And, and um, then the, the captain showed up. Right. Um, and so they're being interviewed and uh, they're sitting in a bar. Right. And these different um, characters are coming on and they're all giving kind of a backstory. So it's just, it's just priest's way of kind of giving exposition on uh, what got him, got us here. But of course, keep in mind this is now and then we're going to do some flashbacks so they start to explain uh what came in after the mine and it was a company called virago and uh virago came in and he built this this massive um warehouse uh right right around where the mine was um and it was a uh, uh dist- distribution hub right so they had a a place there where planes can land and um, but the problem was that they thought they were going to get these jobs, but they didn't. Uh, all the construction uh, was was done by their own workers. Um, and then it had its own independent power plant. And um, so these the people that that came in to, to build the place and work there, they, they didn't even like go out to the town and buy groceries or anything. It was very, very private. Um, so then we cut to this uh, this next page, this big splash page, and there's U.S. agent standing in a crater. It looks like a huge explosion happened, and all the locals are calling him names. And uh, so that's kind of interesting. So that's how we get introduced to U.S. agent in this story. 
And it looks like he's he's standing in the hole, Rick, and it looks like he's he's scratching his head, like he doesn't know what the hell went yeah. on. Yeah, it almost looks like he did something wrong because the way they're calling him names, right? And then they talk about um, the power plant, plant, the power plant exploding. They uh, they admit they admit on on camera during this interview that uh, the the locals went ahead and uh, blew up the power plant. Um, so they were um, getting tired of uh, you know being um, taken advantage of, and and uh, so they went and took matters into their own hands. So now we get to uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, and it says a, a few days before in a federal courthouse. And we, we see these two guys that uh, looks like they're on their phones playing video games. And um, uh, they, we get to learn that Virago was a business front for shield. And uh, so that's probably why, you know, they built their own place and they were very, very private. Um, and so with the shield, um, running it uh so these guys uh, you know have a government job and and they they realize that uh oh there's a problem here with um with the site so they need to go ahead and uh send in somebody to uh to handle it and one of the guys has a problem with valerie cooper and so if you don't know who valerie cooper is uh she has a been a long standing history in the marvel universe in fact um if you remember back to when John Walker became Captain America, uh, Valerie Cooper was one of the people who worked for, she worked for the Commission on Superhuman Activities. And so she was the one who actually, so she was the one that actually recruited John Walker and uh, helped train him and his partner, Battlestar. And um, uh, so she's got a long history with U.S. Agent, and she's done a lot of stuff in the Marvel um Marvel Universe since then. Um, but this guy uh, particularly doesn't care for Valerie. And so uh, I guess because she transferred him to this this desk job. So he wants to get payback on her. So in order to go to this um, shield base, undercover shield base, he goes and he activates John Walker. And um, it says Federal Protective Service Walker Jonathan GS20. So he's a he's actually a a, uh, a contractor now. And so he goes and activates him. All right, so now we cut to another page and uh there's a pizza guy uh coming up to this uh I don't know, it looks like a kind of a townhomes, right? And um looks kind of Florida-esque, wouldn't you say, Bob? It, it, I mean, it does. I mean, it, but it looks very, it's, it's, uh, I think, he, uh, did you say nondescript? Cause this is, this is a, these are row houses, right? I mean, yeah, it looks like, uh, I mean, this looks like blue collar, uh, blue collar housing, you know, like you find in like a mill town or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just uh, someplace where just regular folks live. So the pizza guy goes, knocks on the door, opens up, someone opens up the door and we see a, uh, a rifle a muzzle being pointed at the guy's head. And all we hear is open it. And this is in Mount Vernon, New York. And the part, the name of this chapter is called love at first slice. So the guy opens the, the pizza box and the voice we see from inside holding the rifle says, get in here. And then he uh, takes the pizza guy and throws him down the stairs. And there's like four other people down there. And they appear to be pizza delivery people too. And they're like, you know, Hey, be quiet. Uh, 
And what's going on? And um, so there's another knock at the door. And uh, door opens up and says, open it. And this is a, an older um, Asian guy, uh, kind of wearing kind of a sweatsuit, right? And uh, he's given, he, he given John, uh, well, we, we don't know who it is yet, but he's given the guy a little guff. And he says, you open it. Might be a spider in there. And the guy with the gun says, might be a bomb. Might be. Only one way to find out. I agree. And I've got the gun. And all of a sudden we get a little uh, insight to this pizza delivery guy. He's not, not your standard guy. He says, impressive. Heckler Koch 33A2 5.56 millimeter assault rifle. Roller delayed blowback firing 750 RPM at 950 MPS with 20 pound feet of recoil. A fearsome weapon indeed. And then he pulls out a, a gun <laughs> and he points at the guy inside and he says, difficult to fire with a hollow point in your eye, unless you can rack around faster than I can twitch my finger. Okay, who sent you? Barry Goldwater. Now it could be told. No, I mean, which shop? Moe's. Original Moe's on Weber, not famous Moe's on 74th. Which policy shop, smartass? Shield, CIA, NSC? M-O-E, Red, are you deaf? You did order a pizza, right? There's a slice missing. I skipped lunch, sue me. Get in here. And who's falling down the stairs? But it's John Walker in his uniform. He has his mask off, but he's falling down the stairs. And the guy, the, uh, the older Asian gentleman at the top, he's like, hey, Red, that'll be 1850 plus tip. Which way is the toilet? And so this is the first time we're seeing John in action, right? So he's running up the stairs. Hold on, Bruce Lee. I'll show you. And he comes at the guy and he ducks. And there's a fight. And quite frankly, the uh, older Asian guy here makes short work of him. And he, uh, he throws him over his shoulder, knocks him through a wall, plaster wall. And he looks at him, and John's on the ground. Toilet? Second door on your right. So the next, next panel, uh, we see the two of them sitting in front of the TV on the couch, enjoying some pizza together, with the big hole, of course, uh, behind them in the wall. And um, the, uh, the pizza guy says, so, we all done, or you want to screw around some more? Somebody trying to blow you up? Not me, guy that lives here. Don't you live here? What I say. Uh, and so they kind of go back and forth. And it comes down to uh, finding out that apparently there's somebody going around with bombs and pizza boxes. Um, and so that's why John is keeps ordering pizza and keeps, uh, I guess, uh, collecting the pizza delivery guys. I don't know. What do you think of this? Uh, what do you think of this pizza pizza delivery guy, Bob? I don't know. You know, you don't normally run to a pizza delivery guy uh, with these sorts of uh, skill sets. Both, uh, I mean, he 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 knows how to identify weaponry, right? And uh, and he can handle himself against a guy of John Walker's caliber. So that yeah, something's going on there. Yeah, and so uh, now we see outside a car screeching around, 
and uh, there's a pizza delivery thing on the top. And inside, it looks like a, a maniacal guy saying, die, die, die. So we found our pizza bomber. Uh, and the uh, then next we see uh, the U.S. agent's shield slicing into the car. And um, he goes over to the guy and he, he's like, ah, uh, it's my new, my new shield and it's trashed. Um, and he, and he pulls the, uh, the guy out and, um, everybody's confusing, uh, these kids that are playing in the street, they're all like, Oh, Hey, captain and, uh, beat a kid. I'm working here. Uh, and so he, he kind of realizes he, he's talking to little kids and he upsets them. So, um, uh, he, he gives his broken shield to one of the kids. So he's got a good heart. Yeah, he's, you know, he's, he's a little, John's a little rough around the edges. There's no doubt about it. Yep. Uh, then there's a, a little girl who comes up on a bike and she says, Johnny, hope not ever to see heaven. And he says, beat it, sis. And he has a little picture and it almost reminds him of his younger sister, I think. And he says, uh, I mean, quote, I have to come to lead you to the other shore. And the little girl gets the password. So she hands him a phone and says, this is for you. <clears throat> Next thing you know, they're in a, uh, a little ver smaller version of a Quinjet. And uh, they're, they're firing out of uh, the water. Well, that was kind of a quick jump. Um, and so they, they're going off and um, the two of them are talking and somehow, some way, the pizza guy is uh, in the cockpit with him and they're talking and the pizza guy keeps calling him red. So he says, why do you keep calling me that? He says, why do you think I'm Chinese? Um, not, uh, he says, in red, red is in redneck, red state. I could smell it on you. And John says, not one for bandwagons, Bruce, whatever you are. Never join the club that would have you. All right, then, pizza guy, what's your story? And he tells him his name, Watanabe. Um, too, many, too many syllables for Chinese. Mori. Uh, what country are you from? The Bronx, genius. Uh, so he's, he's got an attitude, and the two are going back and forth. So uh, he asks him, he says, well, uh, if you're not a spook, Maury, why tag along? Well, geez, Red, let me think. I'm 60, broke, and working a dead-end minimum wage job. That or I'm some kind of super assassin sent to croak you. Whatever. Until I know for sure what your hustle is, Charlie, Charlie Chan stays with me. Why, no, I'm not insulted at all. Either way, this is the most fun I've had in years. Giddy up, you star-spangled bigot. <laughs> and then he and then he goes on to tell him um and because they they finally uh, they're getting above uh, uh to to their destination at virago and uh watanabe says uh i mean hating me because of the color of my skin is just stupid there are so many other reasons to hate me hell i hate me racism is really just a lack of imagination god don't you ever shut up dude you asked me on this date we've arrived Arrived at Virago Distribution Hub? What, is Costco closed? What's going on down there? It's classified. So's, the, so's my right cajon. Come on, the girl quoting Dante? The dog barks at midnight? A message from your handler? 
And then all of a sudden um, they get zapped and it's some sort of tractor beam. And so uh, uh, John gets the, the motorcycle that's uh, been sitting right behind them. And uh, the two of them uh, just jump out of the, the back of the, of the, uh, the back of it opens up and they jump out together on the motorcycle while it's in the air and comes landing, but they're getting shot at. Uh, luckily he's got his shield in the front um, of the motorcycle. And there's these, these costume guys with uh, big laser cannons shooting and um, they end up uh, um, crashing. And uh, he sees a, he's a picture of his sister again, his little sister in his head. And um, uh, next thing you know, um, uh, this person walks up and holds a gun to John's head and she takes off her helmet and says, hello, Johnny. And he's like, hey, sis. And that was the end of uh, issue one. A little confusing, a little confusing. Uh, Bob, what do you think? It is, it is. But, you know, I, I got to tell you, I enjoyed the sort of the back and forth uh, between Maury and John. I, I mean, I think that dialogue was uh, well crafted and, you know, it's kind of it's it's fun and engaging to read. I don't I don't know what that relationship is or where it's going. But uh, it's got me hooked. It's 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 a fun it's a fun relationship so far. Yes, and uh, the story got me intrigued. I will say it, it did its job with the first issue and and pulled me in. Uh, I am curious what how did John get in this state? Right. I mean, last I heard, he was U.S. agent, but now he's he's helping out pizza bombers, and um, and he's a contractor, yeah. and he's got a different uniform. Well, you know, actually, Rick, it says it said he was a GS-20. I mean, I don't know. You know, most people aren't familiar with the GS pay scales, but uh, those that's a general servant, uh, you know, a general service sort of category in in a government pay scale. And, and typically, they, I mean, they really only go up to GS-15, but a GS-15 is equivalent to a colonel. And then beyond that, it would be an SES, a special uh, special service. And, and, and those would be sort of general equivalent rank. So a GS-20 is, is, a, is a pretty high rank, hmm. but it's a weird, it's a weird category. It's a, you know, just, he's just a, a general service employee getting called up to do something. Well, Bob, I learned something. Thank you for uh, uh, passing that on. I would have, I wouldn't have known. It. I don't think many of our listeners would have known that either. Probably not. Probably not. And, and I don't know, you know, uh, priest is, uh, is is a is a skilled writer and uh, and he does his homework and and maybe that uh, that's going to be explored at some point but i don't think he would have pulled that uh pulled that out of a hat for no reason all right so we're at uh issue two and uh uh we've got u.s agent um standing in a um it looks like he's inside a house uh that is on fire um and he's looking down and this uh, chapter two is called Homeland. So again, we we start with um, the individuals from West Virginia uh, being interviewed, and uh, they're setting up the story again. And uh, and then we get introduced to a character called April Manning, and he's um, I don't know. I, I, it's hard to place his age. What, you know, he's what would you say? How old do you think he looks? 
I don't. I mean, uh, it's hard for me. I, I, you know, I'm I'm 53, Rick. So everybody that's younger than me looks like you know in their 20s. But but he looks to me like he'd be like in his early 40s or late 30s or something. Yeah, he looks a little older. He's not a young yeah. guy. He's not a yeah. young buck. Yeah, and he's uh, African American, um, and he's standing here um, talking. Uh, and by the way, you know, we we normally don't bring up uh, race. Uh, when we're going through the comics, you know, we, we usually don't bring it up unless it's important. Um, but I think this story touches on race, right? So I think it's important uh, to do that and uh, and bring that up. Um, so this was four days ago at Harvard Business School, and he's giving a, a talk to an audience. Uh, he gets out, gets into his limo. The limo pulls up to a taxi. And then uh, while he's in the, uh, the taxi, um, he says, report. Uh, who's driving is like, okay, you know, he starts reporting. And meanwhile, while he's hearing the report, he gets out um, the syringe that's glowing and injects himself, which all of a sudden expands his muscles to the point where it's ripping his, his shirt, right? And he's on his way uh, to West Virginia. So then we cut to back to remember those two guys that uh, were in the um, uh, Omaha, Nebraska, in the federal courthouse, uh, the one who didn't like Valerie Cooper and went ahead and um, uh, assigned John Walker to uh, to go clean up that mess. Well, Val Cooper showed up and she's not happy. Right. Um, so she starts giving the guy the riot act. Uh, basically kind of uh, starts to to explain like how she has to clean up clean up the mess now. So then we cut to uh, the next page and it's uh, a young lad in a, in a bedroom uh, that has two beds. The other bed is empty and he's uh, waking up to smoke and fire and he's coughing. And um, this is 18 years ago. And so he's a young lad um, to me probably looks what, six or seven, maybe eight, right? Yeah, it looks uh, like. Uh, because his little sister, she looks to be like probably like four or five, I'm guessing. Um, and so they're in fire. So he grabs his little sister, but he feels like they've been abandoned and, and like everybody's left and, and he doesn't know what to do. And then coming the next page, uh, it says chapter two, Homeland. And it's um, Captain America bursting through the door on fire with his shield. And he says, time to go, Johnny. Don't want to be late for school, right? And he grabs him and uh, says, close your eyes. We're going to make it through this. But it, it wasn't Captain America. It was just kind of a flashback. But it was, he was his brother, Mike, uh, who, who was in the U.S. Army. So he kind of looked at his brother. You could see as a child, he looked up at his brother and kind of thought of him as a Captain America. Which is interesting because when I first saw that, I was like, oh, please, priest, you didn't you didn't like retcon this where John Walker met Captain America as a child, you know, and I'm glad it was it was it didn't happen that way. It was, But he it showed that he um, did look up to Captain America as a child. So then we cut to now and we're in. Uh, Ephraim, West Virginia. Now, remember, John Walker was on the ground uh, and his sister showed up 
after they shot him out of the sky and holding a gun to his head. But now, now all of a sudden, he's uh, working, uh, doing some mechanic on his motorcycle. And the two of them were having a conversation while um, her uh, ununiformed soldiers are all in the background kind of watching. And the two of them are going back and forth. And um, she's cooking some eggs. And then she takes the tools out of his hand, starts working on the bike. And they're just arguing with each other. And you could tell you know, from the dialogue, they're very much brother and sister. And it gives a little bit of a, a backstory, right? And talks about Valerie Cooper. Um, and she says, Valerie Cooper created you, Johnny, recruited the super patriot to replace the real Captain America after you got yourself amped up by a guy called the power broker. And it says um, issue 333. So then uh, they start talking about, uh, he, used to, he used to call her um, uh, HBO. That was his nickname for her when she was in uh, little, and it stood for honey, honey uh, batches of oats, which is, I guess, their favorite breakfast cereal. And um, so he's referring to her as that, and, and uh, they're working on the motorcycle, and then she starts working on um, the little uh, uh, jet that they blew out of the sky. It, it basically, she said, "Look, um, you know, you showed up here. Uh, no one knew who you were." you know, a whole bunch of guys that, you know, have been standing around for four years, haven't shot anybody, you know, that's, of course, they're going to do that. So that was kind of her way of apologizing. Um, so then we cut to uh, Wananabe, uh, Mori. Remember him? Well, he wakes up and there's these uh, little kids uh, over top of him holding a gun. Um, but then the mama comes and she tells him to get and uh, starts answering his questions and said, they found him in the street. So, um, so he's somehow got separated from, from John at the time. And, um, so he's now there. So we cut back to, uh, the base where they're doing some mechanics and, and some more back and forth between the brother and the sister. Um, and she explains that, the what the problem is. So she, she sets him straight. She says, you know, look, this is a, uh, a shield base. Um, and, uh, you know, the, she's not happy with the locals because the locals blew up, um, the, the power plant that they, they had there. Um, and that caused the problem. Um, and, and John's kind of taken the local side. Um, he says, look, you know, there's, there's, it was a fake building. There's nobody died. So no foul. Um, and, uh, he said, what's under here isn't run by any conventional source. It's powered by, she says, yes, NO cube fuel cells, and one's missing. And then she thinks that it was taken by the locals. And so he says, no, I, I, I don't think that's the case. And so um, he decides to go ahead and go off and uh, talk to locals and see if he can find that missing power cell. Because if not... We got some serious trouble here because uh, that's the only thing stopping the the rest um, from from blowing up. Is that right? That that's correct. Yeah, it's on. It uh, creates the 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 power cell that's missing is it, it, it creates an unstable uh, power force, right? And uh, it could cause the whole the whole thing to come crashing down and uh, significant damage. <clears throat> 
to life and limb. So he goes off uh, looking, um, motorcycle breaks down because, well, you know, the sister uh, <laughs> rigged it a little bit. Um, so one of the locals picks him up and um, goes back into town and, and he's riding on the back of a pickup truck. You know, the motorcycle's there and he's sitting there and, and the whole town starts yelling, Captain, 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 Captain. So they're confusing him with Captain America. And he's, he's uh, and it's a really cool crowd scene here. We'll have to ask Georges about this. Um, uh, where they're all, uh, you know, looking up at him and, and uh, uh, reacting to him. And he's like, but I'm not. And um, so he's trying to explain to people that he's not Captain America. But um, essentially, uh, I think he uses it to his advantage. So we cut back to Virago and his sister's there with the four um, soldiers uh, behind her. And uh, he's like, look, um, they didn't take it. And they're like, really? What makes you believe that? Because, because they think I'm Captain America and they're, they're going to be honest with me. Um, so, uh, you know, she doesn't quite believe it. And um, uh, they get into an argument um, and start talking about uh, the older brother, Mike, uh, the one who, who saved them. And she, she lets them know the true story is that Mike uh, most likely caused the fire. Uh, because he was drinking and there was a kerosene lamp. And on top of that, uh, Mike wasn't killed in action uh, as much as he was told, but that um, he was suffering from depression and he uh, committed suicide. So he didn't, uh, um, John didn't take well to this. And so uh, the four guys, you know, um, are holding him back, but he decides uh, at this point to, to flex his muscles, right? Because he is super strong and he takes the four guys and he just tosses them. So he, uh, he grabs her ID and he, uh, he leaves and he jumps into his uh, little jet to, to go off. And just as uh, they're gone, or he's gone, um, all of a sudden these um, four cloaked, uh, individuals come up if, behind the four soldiers with knives and slit their throats. And then one of them grabs Kate and holds her up and uh, says, I have come to lead you to the other shore, into eternal darkness, into fire, into ice, which seems to be like that, that code that was before, right? And then we turn the page and there's a big splash and it's, it's our guy. It's our guy, uh, April, um, who's all, you know, in a different uniform. And she says, as she's kissing him, good, you're late, U.S. agent. And that's how issue two ends. Holy cow. I know. It's, uh, that's a, there's a lot to process there, Rick. Well, intriguing, intriguing, right? So... It, wow. The sister is in cahoots with the, this guy who was introduced earlier. Um, April, is that his name? April? April, April Manning. Yeah. And uh, apparently they're an item and apparently he's the newest agent. And apparently she doesn't care about the, the four guys that she's been working with the last few years and allows them all to be murdered. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, there's some there's some different layers here that, that we're going to need to peel back. Yes. All right, let's get to issue three. Let's roll along here. 
All right. So on the cover to issue three, uh, and this cover, uh, it's because there's variants, right? On this cover, I'm looking at um, it's a uh, block of letters that are kind of stacked and it says, I am just ice. So I am justice, but it's broken up. I am just ice. Interesting. Because, you know, when we hear ice as Captain America fans, you know, we think of Steve being frozen. At least I do. Yeah, I don't know what 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 the message is here, uh, but um, I think you know, we see that the, the that his shield is is fractured in two. Yeah, and so on the cover we have a few characters. We have John Walker, we have his sister Kate with her pink hair, and then um, it looks like uh, uh, April Manning um, as well. I don't know who that is. Is that April? It's hard to tell, right? I don't, I, it's somebody who's wearing a mask. You know, it looks like, you know, not that I'm saying it's Bucky, but it's that same sort of like, you know, eye covering mask that Bucky wore back in the day. But it's, but he's also in a, it looks like a hazmat suit of some sorts. I don't mm -hmm. know who that is. Yeah. Did they call those masks domino masks? Domino masks. That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. I, 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 I maybe I was a little hasty by saying it was, uh, I mean, it could be Maury. I don't know who that is. It could be. So we uh, go to the first splash page, and this is cool. I kind of appreciated this, right? Yeah, this is uh, great. It, it's a. It looks like a. It's a mock cover to a magazine, and the magazine is Tyne T Y N E. Um, so, but it is a replica of the Mike Zek cover to issue three thirty four which was the one that says introducing the new Captain America and Bucky where we have Cap and Bucky um, in, a, in a white background, right? And they're kind of popping out. So that was the, uh, the cover that Mike Zek did uh, for issue 334. And so <clears throat> it's that um, pose of the two characters with the white background and the, um, the title on top of the magazine um, of, the, of the story says the replacements can the new captain america fill steve rogers boots and then uh in lower it says john walker and lamar hoskins take up the flag so we are now in the presence of lamar hoskins former bucky former battle star and uh he's holding a baby and he's on the phone and he's talking with valerie cooper and he's in chicago illinois and she's telling him that, look, I need your help. He's like, uh, look, uh, John's a, a civilian contractor now. Um, what idiot would activate? And she explains what happened and gets him up to speed. And um, he's like, uh, look, I, 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 there's nothing I could do. She's like, well, there's going to be a, uh, a jet outside in a moment. So he's getting called in. And um, the name of this issue is called election day rick i what am i i think this may be my my favorite panel in in the series so far but you got you got to look carefully for it it's it's the lower left panel where val is on the phone with uh, lamar and and you see those two idiots in the back writing on the whiteboard over and over again uh-huh i am an idiot i am an idiot <laughs> i love it very nice well Great done val detail, you know yes I, 
Oh, reminds me of my uh, my school days. <laughs> okay, so um, we cut to uh, now we're in uh, Washington D.C. at Val's uh, office, where she's at the Office of National Emergency, and uh, there's somebody saying, uh, "Miss Cooper, Captain America's here to see you." She says, "That's not Captain America. That's Bud," and she says, "Bud," and it's cut off. Who's Bud? Who did she think this was? Right. I know, huh? I don't know. She thought it was somebody named Bud that would look like Captain America. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, so there's John in his uniform, mask on, shield. And he says, uh, Kate, my sister. And she goes, a blonde? She was a mousy brown when I knew her. Uh, what are you doing here, Walker? You're not the U.S. agent anymore. Thanks to who? I'm sorry, which town is this? John, everything is political. Learn to bend a little. Kate, your sister came to us, followed by Big Brother Star. If you're looking to blame someone, John, find a mirror. I didn't recruit her. I didn't contact you to turn down the sheets with those Hicks and Ephraim. I hear you fell in love with those local yokels. Uh, and then we, we, uh, we show some, some backstory of what he's been doing uh, I guess the the last, I don't know, day or two, right? Because apparently um, when we, we saw the crater in the beginning, uh, then what, the story started four days before that? Does that sound right? That's right, yeah. Okay. So this says, uh, uh, actually it says hours before. So he was, he was uh, pulling uh, up against two tractors, you know, showing off his strength, right? Because he's a pretty strong guy. Um, and, uh, he's eaten with the, with the f- local folk and, uh, Wananabe's there. So he's reconnected with, uh, Maury who's sitting there at a din- dinner table with him. And so Val and him are going back and forth. Uh, and he asks, he asks Val, he says, uh, tell me about Maury. Is he one of yours? And she's like, who? And she says, anyway, I'm sure Lamar told you your replacement has been sent to clean up the mess. And, and really who, who's the new meat? She says, I don't know. Uh, Coop, come on. Nobody knows uh, who the guy is. It's a new protocol. Sure, after I quit. Fired. You got yourself fired, John. And for nothing, all you had to do was move those people off the beach. So now we get a little backstory. We get a little uh, understand while he no longer is, quote unquote, the U.S. agent. And essentially, he was in uh, Puerto Rico uh, several months ago at a U.S. Navy testing range. And there were um, a lot of uh, local uh, Puerto Ricans who were um, protesting, protesting um, uh, the, the Navy testing range. And so John's trying to calm everybody down. He's on one side. He's got the protesters behind him are all the, 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 the military with their shields and their weapons. And he's, he's telling people to calm down. And then he gets orders of the intercom to, uh, to clear the beach. And so he's got all of these, these uh, guys behind him that, you know, are just itching for a fight. And uh, unfortunately, um, there's some, some mass confusion going on. They think that he gave the signal and uh, there's a big, big fight, a big riot, and which causes all kinds of problems, which he ends up getting fired um, because he didn't do that correctly. Now, um, so 
the uh, he talks back about Kate again. He mentions blonde and she's um, John. Have you have you ever even heard one word I said? He goes, yeah, the missing fuel cell uh, chemical waste from those cells is toxic. Prolonged exposure can turn your hair lavender. Hmm. Can react to hair dye, Val. The way chlorine in a pool could turn your hair green. The fumes can also cause psychosis. So he just realized that maybe his, his sister's pink hair is from being exposed to the fumes there. So he's now all of a sudden worried about his sister. He's leaving. But he said, wait, 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 wait. Did you say something about Lamar? And so there's Lamar in his Battlestar uh, outfit. And he's now in Ephraim, West Virginia. And he's there to kind of to, to clear things up. And he's looking for the U.S. agent because Valerie sent him in. So then we've got, uh, we cut over to um, April uh, and he's playing the piano and he, uh, we get a little bit of his backstory. And, um, you know, it's a, it's, I think it's an important uh, part here. He, he see, he's walking uh, downtown and he sees um, these two, uh, two guys um, that, you know, got, they got uh, the, the pants hanging down and, um and uh, they're just sitting on a car and uh, he and he's wearing a suit and he says pants up. And uh, so they, he starts explaining to him, um, you know, that uh, he's he's a little upset with them. And uh, and the, the guy says to him, he says, uh, check out Wall Street here. Uh, what? Not white enough for you, homie. And so April reacts. He says racism. I get it. You can't speak English racism can't hold a job racism want to know what real racism is mistaking ignorance for culture the very definition of black on black crime two thousand dollar stereo and a five hundred dollar car tribal drums thundering misogyny violence and profanity from every from every car window stealing childhoods from children so they're like uh, they're not going to take this from him Right. So they, they're they're like, what's your problem? You're my problem. Grown men dressed like little boys, bedroom slippers, backside hanging out of your pants, allowing children to see black men so morally broken and defeated. Culture, racism. You've been served, gentlemen, hoodwinked dog. You done strolled down the wrong block. And uh, they pull out a gun. And uh, we cut to the next page and they're all bloody. And he's um, he's just kind of putting his suit, uh, you know, pulling it back straight. And uh, oh, by the way, he yanks up the guy's pants. So that was kind of a little backstory about about this character, right? So, um, I mean, he he they're not just bloody Rick. I mean, I I mean, you're like downplaying it, man. He's just he wrecked these guys. (laughs) Like these guys are like they're out cold in puddles of blood sprawled over this car. I mean, he. And he's not, it doesn't look like he even broke a sweat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. So he's at the piano playing and uh, Kate uh, lands on his lap and um, she's wearing something scant. And by the way, he has a shirt off. So, uh, you know, believe what you want to believe what may have happened uh, recently with them. And um, talks about the piano and she says, um, you know, weird finding a piano here. And he says, Fury, 
I bought it for him when I lost a round of golf. She says, on purpose, which means you wanted it here. That missing fuel cell was both propriety and obsolete. Even if we could find another, someone would want would ask why we wanted it. The containment field around the asset is nearly gone, April. We've got to move today. And so he goes in and he injects himself with uh, the glowing needle once again. And so um, Lamar and Watanabe uh, are in a pickup truck. Um, and uh, one of the locals is driving the guys. But um, it gets hit, um, shot, and it gets rolled over. And the um, the April, who's now all pumped up and he's in his U.S. agent outfit, uh, tells the one of his soldiers who fired the weapon, he says, go ahead, I'll take it from here. And he yells out, he says, Bucky, that's what they called you. That's what you allowed them to call you. Now, do you remember, you know what he's referencing here? Yeah, absolutely. This was a big scandal back in the day. Yeah. So back when um, uh, Lamar became Cap's partner, he was referred to as Bucky, which some people thought was a racial slur. Uh, and so they end up changing it to Battlestar. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, I mean, this was, uh, there were several letters that were written in at the time <clears throat> informing the writers who had no idea. I mean, they, they, there was no reason. And this was kind of an obscure uh, term that was used uh, in some quarters and it wasn't done intentionally, but but uh, rightfully so that when, when it was brought to their attention, they changed it. Right, and that was Mark Runewald. Yeah. Yeah, so he says... Um, I've been called a saint. You can call me the new U.S. agent. And then the next thing you know, we got a double-page splash of the two of them fighting, right? So, um, uh, and they go back and forth. Uh, and Lamar defends himself. He says, uh, wearing that star didn't earn you the right to judge people. Bucky, yeah, brother, I was proud to use that name. Proud of that young man's service and his sacrifice. Words, saint, their meanings change with the times. Things that don't change, honor, dignity, and the obscenity of a black man being ashamed of his own blackness. And, uh, and at this point, saint is, is punching him and he, he, he speaks up and he says, uh, is that what you think is happening here? Shame? Try rage. You're bigger than Walker, smarter than Walker. Though that's not saying much. Higher proficiency ratings, better test scores, and yet the man, they made him Captain America. And so Lamar fights back. He says, come on, come on. This is about, about casting. You're pissed at me because they chose Walker? And he smacks him. They? Who the hell are they, Hoskins? This is about you. Grinning, shuffling, waving to the crowds. Walker's crowds. Legions of fools cheering a man not qualified to deliver pizzas. You let it happen, Hoskins. You are an embarrassment to the struggle. A traitor lying first and foremost to himself. A living symbol of our complicity in our own oppression. And he's beating Hoskins down. So, um, John, U.S. agent, uh, comes back to the base where he left his sister. He uh, lands on the roof. He's looking for Kate and uh, he's, he's in a dark room and he trips and he sees um, the soldiers that have all been killed. And, um, and he's, he's like, what's going on here? 
Um, then we cut back to the fight between Lamar and uh, April. Um, and and uh, Lamar says, you're, you're wrong. Looking at the world through a veil of hate. I'm, I'm sad for you, brother. And Saint says, you're no brother to me. Oh, hell, let's get this done. My thoughts exactly. And he makes little work of him, breaks his arm. And at that point, Lamar falls over. And who's behind him? But Mori Wananabe. And so it looks like he's about to fight him. And uh, next we see the next uh, page is a double page splash. And it looks like the base, uh, what's coming out of that huge factory base is a shield helicarrier, right? Yeah. She's like rumbling out of the factories, this huge sh- uh, shield helicarrier. And there's Kate and she's there and she's blowing a kiss. And John says to her, H, Kate, stop this. And um, she pushes him off the edge. Sorry, Johnny. The mission, America comes first. And he falls. And Saint looks at Wandanabe. says, very well. Time to put an end to things. And we turn to the last page. And it's a splash page. And he kneels before Mori Wandanabe. And he says, master, with his head down. Okay. What the hell's going on, Bob? What is going on? There is so much going on here. Uh, There is so much detail packed into this story that uh, I don't know what the hell's going on, but I'm dying to find out. Yeah. Well, you know, who better to ask than our next guest, uh, artist of this series, uh, George's Genty. Yeah. I mean, this is, there's, there's, there's so many questions and, and, uh, and I'm sure he can give some insights. I'm sure there's some stuff he's not going to want to give away because uh, there's some more issues. How many, two more issues in this series, right? Yep. This is a five issue series, but, uh, but I got a ton of questions. Uh, I mean, just little things like, right. When, when this guy injects himself, when April Manning injects himself, he grows a mustache. <laughs> I didn't even notice that. You know, he has a he has a mustache when he injects himself and he I, becomes buff. I didn't even notice Stuff that. With that. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah, his hair gets a little fuller too. Yeah. So uh interesting. Yeah. So the 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 the, the Virgo distribution hub, right? Has mm-hmm. a containment field. And when that containment field collapses, it turns out it's a shield helicarrier there. Yeah. And it says, uh, next issue, uh, conflicting visions of America intersect at a small mining town where long buried shield secrets are unearthed, forcing a confrontation between John Walker and his own sister, who has commandeered powerful weaponry that she's poised to unleash on the townsfolk Walker had sworn to protect. Yeah. Now look, there's there's a lot of stuff in this in this in this series so far, Brick, that I I find really um, just fascinating, right? I mean, uh, you know, Walker. I mean, most people when they think of John Walker, unless they follow John Walker, you know, they think of him back in back in his original appearances, and uh, you know, not not the nicest guy, and a little bit of uh, a sort of reactionary and. Uh, uh, 
that's putting it nicely, right? Mm-hmm. But there's there's that scene on the beach in Vieques in Puerto Rico. And and I think that location was specifically chosen, right? Because they've tried to portray John here as being kind of like, and he gets the everyman, right? And and it shows him down in uh, in West Virginia, and, and maybe a reader would say, well, you know, I mean, these are these are good old boys, right? These mm-hmm. are rednecks, good old boy rednecks, right? And that's his people. But you know, I think they took very special pains. Priest took very special pains to put that scene in Puerto Rico with Puerto Ricans. Mm-hmm. Puerto Rican civilians on that beach and John was protecting them. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's a demonstration that John looks out, John is looking out for the everyman, but but not not the white everyman, not just the white everyman. And I think a lot of people view John that way historically. But that's that scene was there to demonstrate that John John looks out for the everyman. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, I, I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, because I think he's a, a mix of a character, right? I think very much to your credit, it's true. He, he, he does um, look out for the every man. And I think he kind of um, sees himself in that regard, right? Because of his, his upbringings. But at the same time, you know, he's referring to Wananabe as Chinese, even though he said he's not Chinese. He's called him... Bruce Lee, yeah. Bruce Lee, right. Yeah, he yeah. called him Bruce Lee. You know, he called him a couple of things. So, so he has, uh, you know, a little bit of a racist tendency as well, you yeah. know, to stereotype. Um, he's, made, he's a, he's a, like, you know, they bring this point over and over again, right? He's, he's not the sharpest knife in the drawer. He's, he's kind of, you know, he's an ignorant dude. Well, I can't wait to see what Georges says about it because, you know, as, uh, as a black man himself, uh, what would, what are George's thoughts on, on all this? Right. So, uh, so, all right, well, we'll we'll be right back right after this, this, this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Pause. So, Bob, uh, you know, with us just covering uh, new comics, right? We talked about uh, getting stuff from our, our pool list. Uh, I do want to give a shout out to my local comic shop, uh, Comic Fortress. And um, that's where I, I get all my, my new stuff. Um, but for those at home, Comic Fortress has a huge selection of um, collectible statues and things like that. Uh, it, it puts my store when I have my store to shame. I mean, you walk into the store and you should see it's just glass case after glass case after glass case of, of all of these uh, tremendous statues. And, and then I know what's going on right now is a big thing is the hot toy, uh, hot toy figures. Yeah. And um, yeah, and- huge. Yeah, so they they have a big selection. So you can actually just go to their website, uh, which is comicfortress.com, and um, and check them out. I, I highly highly recommend them. Oh, I'm going to check them out, Rick. I I, I haven't uh, bought from them before, but uh, I'm going to check them out today for sure. Awesome. All right, Bob. Our our next guest has been in the industry uh, since the '90s and has worked on on really so many series during that time. And, and back when I had my store in Atlanta, he was gracious enough to do a signing i want to say 
like 2005 or 2006 when he had finished Deadpool and was working on Gambit and, and Weapon X from Marvel. And then in 2007, uh, he was kind enough to come back when the Buffy the Vampire Slayer season eight series launched for Dark Horse, uh, which was a big deal. And um, so it was great to have him in, back in the store then. And then I even have a cap sketch from him in my sketchbook. So certainly one of the nicest guys in the industry. Hi, Georges. Welcome to the show. Hey, hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, and, and so before we get into U.S. Agent, because we, we've been talking about that, uh, you did a Captain America one shot for Gamerverse last uh-huh. year. And this was a prequel to the Avengers video game where Cap battles Batroc. Um, mm-hmm. Have you ever drew Cap uh, in a comic before then? Uh you know, maybe in in a flashback in all the books that I've done over the years, maybe a flashback, but never really centering and focusing on Steve Rogers or the the Captain America mythos. Yeah, and it was really cool because you had the best of both worlds. You got to draw a modern Cap, uh, which you know had a different uniform to kind of tie in with the video game series, right? Right. right but, yeah. But then you also got a chance to do a classic uniform during the World War II flashbacks. Right. Right. Yeah. And and was. Was the shield uh, a challenge to draw? Because we hear that sometimes, you know, from from artists. Uh, the uh, not not to my knowledge. Obviously, it's it's done in perspective, and and a circle or a, sort of a, a bowed circle is is can be a little difficult if you don't have the, I guess, the right tools. But really, I, I think a lot of people just eyeball it. Mm-hmm. I think what they don't like is that it doesn't come out right when you eyeball it because it is just like anything, just like. And I don't want to get too too uh, artistry on you, but when you when you draw, everything has a perspective, and even even waves on the shore of, of an ocean or something have a mm-hmm. perspective to them. Whether or not you want to follow that perspective, that's up to you. Mm-hmm. But I think if there is any difficulty, it's usually that you know somebody doesn't either know the perspective or or cares to really inject that perspective. Right. Well, that's an interesting perspective. <laughs> uh no no we love we love the artistry talk uh we've had a, a you know a few on here and love when they when they kind of talk about what what it is that you know is challenging what is it they enjoy what is it that um makes for a better storytelling so yeah by all means um and and speaking of which in that one shot <clears throat> great fight scenes right i mean between between cap and and Batruk and uh you had you had explosions uh, you even had cap on a motorcycle. I mean, like you were hitting, hitting all the high notes, <laughs> all the captain America points you have to hit. Yeah. Uh, I, I actually love that one shot more so than anything, because it's something you don't see so much today that it was a self-contained story. It was just 20 pages, 22 pages of a, mm-hmm. of a self-contained story. And you just don't get that anymore. You know, everybody is angling for a, you know, four or five issue miniseries, whatever. And, and that's fine. But I think in the midst of it all, you kind of get lost in the the self-contained story, which originally used to be basically the, the comic book uh, norm. Uh, there might have been a two-part story, you know, but then that meant, oh, wow, that was a big deal back in the day. But right. most of the stories were, were self-contained. And that's what I appreciated it. And I thought the story, just like you said, hit all those points for being a self-contained story. And I, I, I really applaud the writer for doing that. 
because it, it just felt like, you know, yeah, this was a good little yarn. You didn't have to, you weren't reinventing Captain America. You were just telling a nice little story. Right. Yeah. And it was, it was a good story. And, and I, we hear from our Facebook page, the, the Captain America comic book fans, Facebook page. We do hear that quite a lot is, um, you know, we do miss the, the stories from the, the sixties and the seventies and, uh, you know, where they, they did have just one, one issue and it was self-contained and, you yeah. know, uh, cause we do those daily flashbacks and people are like, yeah, I remember that. Um, so this is cool. I mean, yeah, it was, a, it was a fun story. Um, yeah, and I was so, reading, I used to read those tales of suspense actually with cap and those were half issue stories. So yeah. even more so you had a, a, what a 10 or 12 page story that was self-contained. I, you really, when you explore the life of Stan Lee, you got to give him some serious credit in terms of how the, and obviously Jack Kirby was such a major part of that as well, but the idea of writing so many stories in such a short period of time, when you think about it, is, is mind boggling because most people today, you know, spend a whole issue on an opening scene as opposed to, no, you know, we've got 20 pages we've got to get through this story and we have to introduce these characters and we have to make sure people who've never picked up this book before know exactly who this character is and yada 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 and i just i have every time i read older issues i applaud uh, stan lee for the way he wrote because that guy obviously was getting paid by the word <laughs> yeah and it was uh and how did he keep track of everything right so uh <laughs> that i mean there were i i loved these uh marvel essentials that were coming out the black and white collections that were coming out for a little while and i you obviously you get to read everything in, in one sitting if you wanted to and while I applaud him for all of the, the continuity, there are some major plot points after a while. You're like, well, what happened to this and what happened to that? That you, you kind of got to go, the guy's writing five or six books a month. And, you know, you, you can't go everywhere or remember everything on a certain thing. So I, uh, I definitely applaud him with those little inconsistencies that pop up, notwithstanding. Right. And that actually made for, I think, um, a, a good opportunity for a lot of writers to kind of go back and say, hey, remember these characters that were like, whatever happened to them? Let's bring them back. And and uh, <laughs> so they, they've done that over the years, too. That's always fun. So um, let's talk about we just reviewed U.S. Agent issues one through three and because uh, four and five are not out yet, but I know they're in the can for you. So for those who aren't familiar, how would you describe the U.S. Agent miniseries? I did, and this is this is great to talk now because I just finished the fifth issue last week. Uh, I, I would describe this as definitely John Walker's story. Uh, it's very much not Captain America, Steve Rogers. I'm not actually sure where all of that sits in the, the lexicon of, of Captain America these days, but this is very much a John Walker story. And I think it's, well, I'm told that it was setting him up obviously for the Winter Soldier or the Falcon and the Winter Soldier miniseries that's coming out. So people, I guess, are interested. They can go read his, um, <coughs> excuse me, his backstory and can just sort of get a, a, get a feel for what the character is. But he's definitely, uh, I see him because I've never really followed. I've, I've been familiar with him, of course, reading comics for so many years, but I never really followed his story and I see him a lot like I see uh, Faith from Buffy, where he was always the second banana in this mm -hmm. case. And he was never going to 
live up to the, you know, the big guy. And he's always going to be the second place guy. And I think this particular series kind of gives him that ability to say, am I, am I just the second banana or am I really, uh, do I represent what the shield represents? And I think you, you find out a lot about him in these five issues. Yeah. It's, it, it's been interesting so far, uh, the first three and, um, you know, the first issue was a little slow, a little confusing, um, but then it's it, it, <clears throat> starting to wrap up, you know, as far as, you know, uh, intrigue, as far as the characters are concerned. And it's interesting that you brought that up about Walker uh, being like Faith. Like, I, I, I hadn't thought of that before, but I could certainly I certainly see that. I, I, I get what you're coming mm-hmm. from. And obviously, with your Buffy background, I you know, makes a lot of sense. How would you describe John Walker? To someone who who doesn't really like they they know that at one point he was Captain America uh, and, you know, that's about it. Right. Like, how would you describe him? I kept looking at this because, again, my my knowledge of John Walker was so limited when people had had asked about it. I kept thinking, you know, this is more this Captain America starts off or, or is the idea of more of a quote unquote Trump president, Captain America. This is the guy who will do more for what America is today than I guess what the what the ideal of America should be. And he's uh, he's definitely not he's a sympathetic character, but he really is more of a I don't really care type of a guy as well, mm-hmm. um, because he's very straightforward and very unlike, which I think is great, very unlike Steve Rogers. Uh, you you wonder, and certainly I did doing this series, I wondered how, if he really even wanted to be this particular character. And and you're right about the, the quote-unquote confusion because uh, Christopher Priest is a guy who has layers. He has so many layers to what he does. And I, I thankfully will say that it all comes to fruition <laughs> with the fifth issue. But even as I was drawing it, I was thinking, I'm a little confused and I'm the guy who has to make sure, you know, artistically this comes off as, as well represented as possible. So uh, I was constantly asking uh, Christopher, you know, well, what about this? Or if this is a back, if this is um, a, a foreshadowing, you know, how do we establish that? And, you know, just these, he loves to time jump quite often. So I think that's where a lot of the confusion came in. Yes. But like I said, by the end of the fifth issue, I think it all wraps up pretty nicely. Looking forward to that. Uh, have you worked with uh, Christopher Priest before? No, but funny enough, man, we had been talking for a year. I've seen him at shows and strangely, we had been sat together a few times at conventions. So, you know, as, as well, maybe you guys wouldn't know, but as you're sitting in a show, you know, there's maybe you're there maybe eight, 10 hours. So after a while, you definitely get to know your neighbor over the course of a weekend because there are lulls and then there are are peak times where you're either signing or drawing or doing whatever. But Christopher and I uh, really started a nice little conversation, you you know, very, very superfluously uh, over the weekends that we'd seen each other. And, And it was naturally to the conclusion of, you know what, we should work together. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want to give that old chestnut, oh, we've just been looking for a project together to do that was right. It, it was more happenstance that um, uh, actually uh, the assistant editor, uh, Brio, who 
was the editor on the Captain America video game one shot. Well, was also the assistant editor on the Cap series, and he thought of me when this miniseries had come out. So uh, I was more than happy to take it, and lo and behold, it was Christopher Priest who was the writer. So it was more happenstance than us going, yeah, we really need to put this out there. So, Well, that's a cool story. Uh, yeah. it's, it's nice that it, it worked out. Uh, and of course, you know, when it comes to uh, inking, right? Carl Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, you've known him forever, right? So- yeah, Carl is a favorite for sure. If I can ever get him or Dexter Vines, I'm, I'm oh, yeah. thinking it's a good day. Right. And so, uh, you know, I, I know Carl just from being in Atlanta uh, for mm-hmm. those years, right? And Carl's been inking comics for over 30 years. Yeah. Um, and I think, when was the last time you worked with Carl? Was it doing Serenity? Uh, when was the last time? Uh, that's a good question. Uh, you know what? It it probably was. Uh, I did a Swamp Thing uh, one shot, but that wasn't with Carl. And then I did that X-Men thing, and that also wasn't. Yeah, I guess so. Wow, I hadn't even thought about that. You know, since you you know people, you kind of keep in touch, so you're not necessarily uh, up on when the last time it was you worked with one another. But yeah, I would say it was probably a couple of years ago. God, I'm just now realizing that. Huh? Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's a talented guy. Uh, so let's let's get back to John Walker because um, <clears throat> you brought up some interesting thoughts on him, uh, and you've tackled the subject of racism before in the American way by, yes. by DC's Wildstorm. Um, what are your thoughts on, on working on a character like John Walker, who I've I've read him described as mildly racist, and I say that in quotes, <laughs> right? Because he isn't. I guess, drastically over, but he, I mean, he does right. make racist remarks, you know, when it sure. comes to, for instance, Maury's character and, and, and things like that. So yeah. What, what were your thoughts on that? Well, him, yeah, I think he's one of those guys. It, it's mildly racist is a good way to put it, but also um, uh, really just uneducated about that sort of thing. And, and I see this in, in regular life, just growing up where, you know, you, you grew up in a certain household and people did this a certain way. And, it went to a degree where you didn't realize, oh, out in the real world, this probably isn't something you should say, or, mm-hmm. you know, this might be looked at as something not as uh, racially friendly. And I don't feel that Walker is intentionally racist, but yeah, that mildly, I, I, I would say more he's unintentionally racist because that's just how his upbringing was. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think anyone of color growing up, maybe maybe not today, and with the Me Too movement and all this stuff that's been happening, um, I think growing up as as a kid, you sort of you you get to a point where you are you you I don't even know how to say it. You you kind of accept this way of life and how it is. You don't you don't necessarily um, accept it into your life, but you accept that when you go out in the public, that there may be times you might run into somebody who thinks a different way or talks a different way. And I, I think as as a as a people, we had to be a little more tolerant than probably we are today, because now everybody's speaking up, which is which is great, and they should. But I think back in the day, we were taught more tolerance than um, than anything else. So given that, I, I don't really find any offense or anything like that. I will, like you just said, I will say with somebody like with Maurice or someone, 
that, oh, I don't know if that's a line. I think he calls them a nip at some point or, or something like that, where I don't think that's a line that would probably go off today in, in a general Asian populace. So right. it's, it's still a very touchy thing, but I think a generation ago had a little more acceptance for this sort of thing. And, and thankfully, our kids and our generation growing up are, are really putting a stop to it. And hopefully in the next generation, I, I won't say it'll right. all but be gone, but I think it'll it'll be a lot better for sure. And and for those listening at home because they can't see the video, I, I don't know you know if any you know people are aware, but as a black man, you oh, yeah. you're speaking as <laughs> as a black man. You're not speaking. Yes. So, so so you have a little bit of experience there. Uh, what you're right, talking right, about, right, right, so. exactly. And that was the beauty of comics back in the day. You never knew what nationality somebody was. I mean, you knew George Perez was Spanish probably because Perez is a Spanish name, but you didn't know you know what Simonson or what Byrne or you know Claremont or anybody like that you didn't know uh, Ron Wilson any anybody like that you didn't know what they were because it was never an issue and i always loved that about comic books and i think it always i don't know why it always surprised me whenever i met some of my heroes and realized oh my god you're black or oh my god you're asian right because it was something you just never considered and i thought that was wonderful about comics yeah agreed and 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 I guess there's some positives and negatives, right, to social media nowadays, because always, um, you know, some of the positives, you know, you you pointed out is uh, we get to to get a little bit uh, more access to to people and get to learn a little bit more about them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the negative is sometimes what we're learning, we don't like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so uh, they say, don't meet your heroes. Right. So, um, Oh yeah. Never meet your heroes. Yeah. Right. Uh, but you know, like I said, you know, just going back to uh, that a couple of times that you, you came to my store, I, I, I still think you're one of the, the true gentlemen of the industry. So now uh, it's just hitting me. You have that store up uh, five seventy five, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. That's what I could not remember where. And I'm like, I've gone to every comic shop here in Atlanta and I couldn't remember where your shop was. And that's why, yeah, it's all the way up there. Yeah. I remember a friend of yours. I had her pose for me for a faith cover or something like yeah, that. Yes. That, that particular day I was there. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yep. Getting back to uh, US agent, um, mm-hmm. I have to ask you about Walker's new uniform. Now, was this something? you designed or was this like an editorial mandate because in some oh, no, ways was, it it resembles the of, of glimpse of what we've seen on the the disney falcon and, and winter soldier series oh does it okay no i was probably the last uh piece of the puzzle brought into this this particular canvas that um i was everything was already said and done the covers were pretty much already done so they had what the character actually looked like and i know that christopher priest had lobbied a lot for it being kind of more of a military look and uh honestly i don't know if i'm all that jazzed about the little flap with the star behind it open and all that i don't know that i would have done that personally but i recognize that from the way the the outfit was previously it it definitely is a departure to a certain degree because aside from just redesigning the whole costume there's not much you could do so for what they have, I know the cowl is a little bit different. And, and these are just subtleties that I don't think the average person would pick up often. But it's uh, it's okay. I, I don't I don't mind it. But I, I don't 
I don't, I'm not crazy about it. Let's put it that way. Well, you're, you're talking about comic fans. So a subtle difference <laughs> is huge, right? We're, we're going to talk about everything there. Um, and, and another maybe let not so subtle difference is in the past. Um, a lot of times when John Walker was depicted, uh, he had more mass to him. He was like a little bulkier. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, was that done on purpose to kind of thin him down a little bit? Um, I think here it wasn't necessarily a conscious effort, but it was stated that his uh, nemesis, who is a guy named the, the Saint in this series, was very bulky and bigger. And there should be that contrast between the two that here. And as I understand it, John ha does have some added strength to him or I know he didn't. Right. Yes. Again, I don't know the whole story, but did he take the soldier serum? And um, Well, going back to Mark Grunewald days when he was introduced, uh, he right. started off as um, a wrestling guy that went to the power broker to get more, uh, to get gotcha. augmented. And then mm -hmm. he became the super patriot, which then became Captain America. Right, so, right. Yeah, so okay. he, he is, he is technically, uh, you know, very, very strong. I mean, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, OK. And, and so, well, yeah, just to end an answer to that, it was just to uh, just streamline the visual aspect of him going up against this. What would have what you would think to be a more formidable foe? Uh, you know, on that on that note, uh, George's, you know, uh, Saint is an interesting character. Uh, and I love the way that he, you know, he transforms. But but he's got a completely different look than John Walker, U.S. agent. How, mm -hmm. about, how about that uniform? What was the inspiration for that? That one, I did have a hand in, in not necessarily designing it because uh, Christopher Priest was very adamant about what he wanted. He, he really wanted a, a, a Carl Weathers, sort of a, a Apollo Creed type of a look to this character. Um, so given that, we, we just sort of played around with the... I did do a couple of variations which I, I will say were more comic book related. And uh, Christopher was wanting more of a military-esque type character. So, you know, the, the boots weren't the pirate boots. They were the, um, you know, the lace-up uh, Oakley style look to them. Uh, just little subtleties like that. He wanted more realism. And I think he carries a gun as well. So, you know, there's a side holster and, and um, given his bulk, um, I obviously he, he needed to move around to a certain degree. So, you know, his shirt is very open with the, to give him the freedom of mobility and, and little, little subtleties like that, which we both knew that this character probably, I don't know where he will go into the future, but I don't think this particular costume will survive. Uh, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's, it's funny you mentioned Carl Weathers because uh, uh, you had mentioned in a previous interview that I read someplace that um, I think when you worked on Buffy, that it took you a lot longer to to draw the characters because they're closer to real life. They're, yes, they reflect yes. real life personalities and uh, rather than creating somebody, you know, uh, fresh. And, and I wondered if there was some inspiration, uh, as I read to U.S. agent, for Saint. And, and you say Carl Weathers, but, you know, when I looked at him, I was thinking like a, a younger Fred Williamson. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. And, you know, because I was it. curious. I mean, like he, he he sprouts a mustache, right, when he when he transforms. And I thought that was such an interesting, interesting uh, characteristic. 
Yeah, you so know, if you if you really want the inside scoop here between you and me, and I'm sure nobody else will hear this, but I think this is uh, Christopher Priest's alter ego because if you put both of those images together and superimpose them, it's interesting how much. Uh, the saint favors uh, Christopher Priest. And this is purely speculation on my part, but yeah. I was like, I wonder if this is you kind of living out your uh, superhero that's fantasy. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we could all do that. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> and, and also too, you know, it, but Bob actually had it pointed out to me was uh, that, yeah, that saint grows a mustache when he's on the juice. Yeah, that I don't get. And I did ask Christopher about that. And I'm like, well, why, you know, then why technically would it just be a mustache? Wouldn't he grow a beard? Or wouldn't he grow more hair? Or why just that? And, you know, this is all just for camouflage. But apparently when he sort of comes down from from whatever he's on, the, the mustache is removable also, which, again, I didn't particularly get. But these are little subtleties of comics that you never really ask about so you know you know now now when i read the next issue i'm going to picture carl weathers in his <laughs> uh his his usa boxing shorts uh, yeah. instead <laughs> i really do i do feel that's where uh where christopher was coming from which is a great archetype for a hero yeah because any of us watching rocky growing up i mean apollo creed was the coolest character ever we we had to look at him as an antagonist initially but sure you know, ultimately, he became this this lexicon of of black, you know, machismo that was just way too cool growing up in the 80s. I just got it. I just got it. It's a combination of Carl Weathers and Rocky and Carl Weathers and Predator. <laughs> I would go with that. Yeah. I don't think he ever lost the mustache either in any yeah. of his films. Even with the uh, Mandalorian, he still has it. <laughs> yeah, but he had the combat boots, right? And, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> so uh, I, there's a scene um, in in the I think it's issue number two, where Walker is getting a ride back to town on the back of a pickup, mm -hmm. and the crowd mistakes him for Captain America. So they start right. lining the street and they're shouting Captain and so on. And at one point, you draw uh, in this crowd a a young woman exposing her cleavage to Walker. And, yes. and another in the crowd checking her out. Was that something uh, uh, Priest wrote or were you having a little fun there? Strangely, I have the issue right here. Uh, no, that was all Christopher. Christopher is a very detailed writer. And that was something he put in there. I mean, I think I put, he put that, you know, he just wanted a bunch of people reacting to this character as if he were, and rightly so, he was a superstar. Like, oh my God, there is, a star in our small town coming through everybody is you know trying to get a look and trying to get a, a, a click with their cell phone and whatever and he had yeah this of course you know at any gathering you're going to have groupies <laughs> to a certain degree and this one woman shows him his cleavage her cleavage um, in hopes of getting recognized of course and then i i think i drew somebody else looking that oh my god she's actually trying to show him his cleavage so yeah yeah that was all him uh, but then I think a lot of the the reactions were were me in the yeah. Uh, yeah, it's in a the great art. scene. Thank you. Um, and then also uh, in number three, there's a great opening splash of a framed magazine cover, which is yes, taking yes. the cover to Cap yeah. 334, which is where it's introducing Walker and Hoskins as the new Cap and Bucky by mm -hmm. by Mike Zach. And mm -hmm. uh, and I'm assuming that you, you mentioned detail. I'm assuming that's that was. Uh, Priest idea was it fun yes. recreating such a famous cover and and are you a Zek fan 
Yeah, I, oh, of course I was a Zek fan. Funny enough, I grew up in uh, Miami, and that's where uh, Zek grew up uh, as well. So I was aware of his work at an early age. Um, I, uh, I again, I never really Cap was. I, you know, I love Cap. I probably love him even more now with the uh, the movies, but I was never a Cap reader growing up in, in comics. So it it was always those little issues. And when Mike Zek finally came onto the book, that's when I started reading. Uh, very much like uh, your wall back there when he was dealing with Deathlock. Those yes. issues, I thought, man, they were amazing. So I was I was familiar, but I wasn't familiar. I think I left it because he just basically just did covers after a while, right? He didn't do the interior. Yeah, so he left, um, uh, I think, two, 289 was his uh, last okay. issue. And um, he left to to go do Secret Wars. Oh, that, okay, that yeah. Series. So then he That's did probably at that point. Where I went. Yeah, just doing covers. Um, uh, and, and speaking of number three, there's this, at, towards the end, there's this great double-page spread that you did where you draw the helicarrier bursting out of oh, the warehouse, yeah. warehouse, which is really cool. Uh -huh. And uh, I imagine that was your first time drawing a shield helicarrier. Um, were you excited to see that in the script? Uh, I, and again, this is all, this is pure priest. He is, is he really is. A, I, I have to send him an email because now that it's all done, you sort of do your, your end of the series recap and say, hey, it was really nice working with you and, and whatever. But I was, as an, as an artist, yes, but as a comic reader myself, I was very impressed with everything he did and put in. And um, I don't even is uh, I'm not even sure if uh, if the uh, the monster has shown up. Has that shown up yet, or is, am I uh, giving? No, I think you're giving something a little away. Oh, there. Okay, so I mean, he just throws stuff in there where you're like, where the hell did this come from? And very much the helicarrier was one of those. Where the hell did this come from? Because I don't think I even knew about it in the first two issues um, that he was just kind of explaining it. And I think Priest was writing so that everybody could be engaged. Obviously, the the, the editors knew Tom Brevoit and whatnot. They understood where the whole series was going. But I hadn't read the Helicary until I actually read the script for issue three. And I was like, wow, okay. And and he was very specific. Hey, this is an old model helicarrier. This wouldn't be the one from the movie or anything like that. You know, this was one of probably their first ones, a prototype back in the 60s or whatever. And so it, it draw it very much like it's just a, a one of those ugly bathtubs that used to fly around. <laughs> and and we're just because he's like, we're going to we're going to ruin it anyway. So it, it's not anything you need to do that it needs to stick around for a while. So, yeah, I just kind of looked up. Uh, I didn't go past, I think I didn't go past anything Kirby did with the helicarrier. And I used those designs for what you see, or what, I guess what you will see, because, of course, at the end of the issue, this will take a, a prominence in issue four, um, what the helicarrier does and what they do to it. Oh, can't wait to see it. Uh, awesome. <laughs> yeah. And, and I got to say, after talking with you, I'm, I'm even more excited to, to see how this all wraps up yeah. because uh, you're right. There's a lot of back and forth and uh, we get to hear, you know, see a lot of, of, you know, backstory on these characters uh, and uh, it's, it's all coming together and we can't re wait to, to finish these up. Uh, and, and now that us agent is, is wrapping up on your end, uh, what else do you have coming up? Uh, what else? I've actually been doing off and on a little story for uh, Aftershock, the company 
Yeah. It's called The Shadow Doctor, the first issue of which has just come out. Uh, and that's also a five issue limited series. Thankfully, that one had a huge deadline that I was able to uh, fit in the U.S. agent. So I've been going kind of back and forth. And now I'm, I'm on that specifically. And uh, it looks like I, I think I'll be doing some Star Wars uh, in the Ooh. next month or so. So, yeah, hopefully I can keep this train going because I tell you, once COVID hit, man, I think any freelance artist was sitting back on, what am I going to do? <laughs> I don't have a job. Right. How am I going to uh, live out here? So well, I've that's been very fortunate. That store sounds really cool. Would that be just fill-in issues or ongoing? Or? I think, yeah, no, no. I think it's just going to be a couple of fill-in issues. So from there, who, who knows? Uh, well, looking forward to seeing that. And and please tell Joe Pruitt uh, I said hi. Uh, oh, okay. Cool. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm glad Aftershock is going well for him. Um, yeah, yeah, really well, actually. Uh, and, and so, you know, speaking of... Uh, freelance artists and uh you know how did how you, how do they get through this time of year uh, i know a lot of uh, are taking commissions and things like that so um how can fans get in touch with you if uh, if they want to get a commission or just reach out uh you can find me most anywhere i've got all the social media i've got my own website which is kabalounge.com k a b a l o u n g e.com and uh you can reach me from there there's a there's a store site for commissions you can reach me on facebook uh the website has all the links to Instagram and Twitter and all that good stuff that we're supposed to have these days. Um, I swear, I've never been so accessible in all my life. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm a very much a private person. So it, it's sort of daunting sometimes when you'll get an email from out of the blue from New Zealand or someplace. Like, hey, I was just reading this and I thought about you and I wanted to ask this question. I'm like, hey, hey, freeze. What, am I on some sort of a government list here? What, what is it? And you realize... <laughs> Oh wait a minute! This is just how people can find you nowadays. <laughs> right? Yeah, and, and you have it's a really good website. And and for those um, listening, we'll have a link to it in our show notes so that you can get to it there as well. Um, but also, I think you you, you have on that site uh, some original art pages and covers that you have done um, that are still for sale and things like that. Yes, too, yeah, yeah. So. I put I I try to put a couple on the site, and then well, when we were still doing conventions, that's where I sort of brought the bulk of what I had. Mm -hmm. to show people because I realize pages are still something very much a, a tactile thing. People want to feel it. They want to see it before they buy it. You know, a lot of people don't necessarily, I mean, they will buy site just over, over online, but I think it's really something they, they want to touch and feel for themselves to say, yes, I want to take this home. Well, it's been a pleasure. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, George's and then thank you so much for coming on and uh, we look forward to, to seeing how the series wraps up and uh, and staying in touch. Yeah, I think you'll be pretty satisfied and, and a little bit more confused, I think. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bob, that was a lot of fun talking with George's. Uh, definitely got some insights into U.S. agent and, and a little bit of a sneak peek of what's coming up, too. So uh, that was really cool. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it was great. I mean, we just, uh, you know, we reviewed those, uh, the first three issues, and uh, it was just, it's just awesome to sort of get the inside baseball, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and George is, um, is, again, super nice guy. So glad to see that he's doing well. Um, and so uh, just as a reminder, our next episode is uh, a little bit of a break from what we've been doing. We're going to have our reaction show to the Falcon and Winter Soldier on Disney Plus, uh, which comes out this weekend. I can't, can't wait to, to watch that. So uh, and talking with you and uh, our guest member, um, 
Ash Barnes. Uh, actually, her name's Ash Hit, but she goes by Ash Barnes in our Facebook group. So uh, looking forward to that this weekend. That'll be a lot of fun. And then um, next week, we kick off um, a two-part uh, podcast, uh, which we're going to cover the introduction of the Winter Soldier. So in episode 19, uh, we'll cover uh, the first three parts of Winter Soldier, which is in volume five, uh, issues eight, nine, and 11 uh, by Ed Brubaker and Steve Epting and Mike Perkins. Uh, so, uh, hey, we, we, we got a whole bunch of stuff going on. So I'm looking forward to it. This is going to be a busy few weeks, uh, but it's going to be really an exciting few weeks. And uh, Ash, you know, Ash describes herself as the uh, world's biggest Bucky Barnes fan. So I know she's going to have a lot to lot to share with us. So I'm looking forward to, to talking with her. Yep. Well, as always, Bob, it's been a lot of fun wrapping cap with you. Always, always a joy, my friend. All right. I'm Rick Verbanis. He's Bob Lucius. And you've been listening to the Captain America Comic Book Fans Podcast. Thank you.